Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. This morning we're jumping into a new, a new series, and uh, uh, where, this, where this comes from, um, you know, I've been thinking about been thinking about the story of of God. I've been thinking about Bible stories too. Um, I've been thinking about the stories that we find ourselves in in our relationship with Scripture. I've sort of been thinking about all of these things together, and uh, and I I think it's uh it's something we're gonna we're gonna jump into and explore for a while. So this morning is really just an introductory sort of a few thoughts on what we're going to be talking about. Um, but really importantly, um, I, I need your help actually for the arc and the structure of, of this uh, series. And mostly, I mean, I welcome anyone's help, but I really want your kids help. Um, for those who have, who have kids, what I'm looking for, I'm looking for favorite Bible stories or, and parents, you can work with your kids on this one, or just Bible stories even that are a little bit confusing and we don't understand. I know there's only one or two of those ones in the Bible. Um, but uh, I would love for you to chat with your kids. And uh, and we're going to pick some Bible stories to explore together. And we're going to see how they fit. We're going to see how they weave. Um, because as we've talked about before, the crazy thing about the Bible, we think of it as being one book, right? If I say, hey, grab your Bible, how many books do you grab? Well, you know, it, most of us would say, well, we're grabbing this book. But really, Bible, what that, what that means is it means library. We are carrying around a library of literature, not one book, but many books. Um, and, uh, and so they don't tell they're telling different stories. They don't all have the same stories in them. Uh, and some of those stories are even a little bit complicated. Oh, we've already got one, Samson. I knew that was coming. I knew that. All right, Jaden, we're going to talk, man. Um, and so these, but these stories are part of a whole, just like a library. If you, if you look at, if you go to a library from a particular culture, and you look at what's come out of that culture, you get a sense of the story of that, of that people. And uh, all, all the two, all right, this is great. So Samson is definitely getting top marks here because we like our superheroes. That's what it's all about. Um, awesome. Uh, and this, you guys know that stories really matter. We spent the last number of weeks talking about these questions, right? These four questions that we were going to shape, uh, give some intention into, into this next year by. And as I've been thinking about those questions, I actually realized they're actually plot-driven questions as well. What am I going to embrace? What am I going to resist? What am I going to test? What am I going to trust? These are actually, if you answer those questions, what do you have? You have a story. And it either gives you the story that you want to be living into, or it gives you simply the story that you've inherited, but it tells a story. It locates you in a story. And so really it's an extension of that. Um, and, and so before we go too much further though, I, as I have been trying to do these days, I do have, um, I do have a, a little short clip from one of my all time favorite movie series 
Um, anyone that, who here likes the Toy Story series of movies? I, Toy Story to me was like the new bar set. So if again, if you got kids within within range, uh, get, get, gather around, kids. We're gonna watch a movie. Just a short clip. What are you doing? You're in direct violation of code 6404.5, stating all space rangers are to be in hypersleep until awakened by authorized oh. personnel. No. You're breaking ranks, Ranger. Buzz Lightyear to Star Command. I've got an AWOL space ranger. Tell me I wasn't still in No backtalk. I have a laser, and I will use it. You mean the laser that's a light bulb? <laughs> Has your mind been melded? You could have killed me, Space Ranger. Or should I say, traitor? I don't have time for this. Halt! I order you to halt! Listen to me, listen to me! Ow! Listen to me, listen to me, you're not really a Space Ranger, you're a toy! We're all toys, do you hear me? Well, that should hold you till the court, Marshal. Let me go! You don't realize what you're doing! <laughs> and this is the Buzz Lightyear aisle. Back in 1995, short-sighted retailers did not order enough dolls to meet demand. Hey, Buzz! Halt! Who goes there? Stick climbing around and get in the car! Buzz! Buzz! I know how to defeat Zerg! You do? Come on, I'll tell you on the way! No, no, guys! You've got the wrong Buzz! You've got the wrong Say, where'd you get the cool belt, Buzz? Well, slotted pig, they're a standard issue. So good, right? I mean, come on. Buzz Lightyear is one of the great, one of the great all-time characters in, in animated storytelling. And uh, I love, first of all, I just love, I've always loved um, Buzz Lightyear, just ridiculous character. So as I watch that, and as you guys watch that, it's funny because what's taking place is that, is that Buzz Lightyear is having an experience of himself, isn't he? If you've seen the first Toy Story, you know that that's exactly, that's exactly how that character starts out, right? He's completely surrounded by his own self, sense of self-importance he's caught up in this like this whole narrative that's been programmed into him and and he's obnoxious about it 
right? And so I, I love this sort of uh, this callback to that moment. And what's funny as well is there are other stories. If you um, if, if you remember Tim, um, the tool man, Taylor from, uh, you know, the, they reference that a little bit, right? He's, he sees the utility belt and he's like, mm, I could use that. Like there's all these callbacks that are going on. This is a story rich scene. But what's really fascinating to me and the reason why I kind of grabbed at that is this idea of uh, what's happening here is that you have two Buzz Lightyears, right? And they, they are in the same moment, but what's the fight that takes place, the struggle that takes place is the struggle of two stories two narratives, two understandings of what is going on, right? They even have the same enemy that they use. And that's the thing I love about that last little scene. Hey, we know how to defeat Zorg or whatever the bad guy's name is, right? And, you know, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear 2 hears that and thinks he knows what they're talking about. But of course, he doesn't understand what they're talking about. And so the stories that we surround ourselves really matter because they help us to interpret and to how to understand what's happening around us. And you guys know, and we've talked about this, that we are one of the most deeply storied groups of people ever in the, you know, in, I mean, I, I'm not an ancient, I didn't live in ancient times, so I, I can't say for sure. I don't know how comprehensive their, their mythologies were, their storytelling, but we have snapshots, we have ideas of what people understood, what their stories were, what kinds of stories they told their kids growing up. And we have, because of multimedia, because of films, because of books, we have stories, we are immersed with stories, they're constantly surrounding us, and they're asking us to do things, they're compelling response, they're, they're compelling our sense of belonging and, and purpose. And as Catherine has commented here, um, ancient times did not have, did not have Netflix, right? And this is, this is true didn't have Hollywood. Um, and if we were to ask the question, hey, what's our favorite, what's our favorite TV series of all time? What are our favorite series? We could have a conversation and you know how this goes. At least four or five of us would be able to talk about this for three hours, all of our favorite stories, or we talk about books. You know, I was, I used to get so immersed and still on some level, but um, in, in reading, I was a reader when I was about Alden's age, maybe a little bit younger. I just started digging into these like five, 600 page um, fantasy novels. And I remember this time where it was reading, it was, it was like, um, you know, the reading sort of 15 minutes where you could go, you could read your, your book or whatever. And so everyone would go to different corners of the classroom with the books. And, and again, I was reading, um, I was reading the sort of Shannara series, the Terry Brooks, uh, uh series. And I, this was, I was in grade three, I think at the time. And, uh, and I, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And so I'm in the middle of this story and, um, and I remember this, I remember I, I got so immersed in the story that I was reading, I lost all sense of anything else that was happening. And all of a sudden, I remember the experience and I, I describe it as coming to almost like I had fallen asleep. I wasn't, I was reading, but I was so in this other world. And I, all of a sudden I looked up and the class had started and it was like 15 minutes into the next class. No one had noticed that I hadn't come back to my desk yet. Um, but I was just over in a corner and I had completely lost track of everything else. 
right? I think it's really important for us to know how significant stories are. They're not just fictions. They're not just fantasies. They're even, even the ones that are not based in, in reality, they form an, un, our understanding and our relationship with, with reality. Um, they can often form and inform in helpful and in unhelpful ways our understanding of things we cannot see, um, our understanding of things of the spirit. Um, I've known some people who were so deeply immersed in, in the narratives of Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm not going to get into, into all of that stuff. I don't, I don't think that that's fundamentally wrong or evil necessarily. It's, you know, but, um, but they had been so formed by these ideas of there is light and there is darkness and this tension that exists and there's no line in between that all of a sudden that became, that began to dictate how they understood the things of the spirit. And it was all just extraordinarily black and white. And um, even though it was not based in reality, it had formed their understanding of, 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 of reality in what's were in some ways unhelpful ways. And interesting, well, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, hole too much, but uh, I just, it's important. And so our relationship with the scriptures is also very important because the scriptures, um, we can have, if we're not if we're not careful and we look at the Bible as being a how-to manual for life, we can start to look at the Bible almost like lawyers and not like storytellers, almost like um, like judges and not like and not like people who are who are there to be informed and compelled by the by the the narrative of Scripture. And and so when we start to parse it out and and you know. Um, and try to figure out how to live this life and take it and and legally sort of superimpose it over our lives almost we can we can miss the forest for the trees we can lose the plot because maybe we we get so focused in on one thing and we miss the larger story that's being told and so i think it's very very important um it's very important to talk about these things i'm going i want to introduce a concept uh today that's going to come up um a lot. And that concept is the concept of improvisation, improving. Has anyone ever done improv work, um, like in drama class or whatever? Um, yeah, a bunch of us. Yeah. So um, if anyone is willing to at some point do an improv session here, um, not this morning, but if you're willing to do that, let me know. I'd love to sort of set that up. Um, but uh, improv, you've seen, we've all seen bad improv, right? We've all seen a ton of bad improv, right? Uh, improv goes wrong so quickly. But have you ever seen brilliant improvisation? Have you ever witnessed people who really, I mean, it is something to behold when you have actors who know how to move a story along and you think, how can this not be scripted? This is amazing. Well, here's the thing. Improv actors are the most well-rehearsed of any kind of actor. They are so comprehensively rehearsed. They are rehearsed, they are immersed in story. And they have all of these different um, stories that are embedded in them that they can grab hold of and respond to whatever the unforeseeable situation that they're about to be presented with. And they can come at it and they can shift and, and re-narrate and move the, move the story forward. They are ridiculously well rehearsed. And this is really important for us as followers of Jesus in the world that we live in right now. 
I believe this with all of my heart, that we are not simply called to memorize lines. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that memorizing the Bible is a good thing. Memorizing passages, 100%. That's great. Let's do that. But we're not called to just be robots that just kind of spit back word for word, you know, lines. We are called as Christians to improvise, to be, to, to be improv artists, because we do not have the blueprints that we wish that we did for so many of the complex issues that we're dealing with in the church and in the world, right? So we need to be able to improvise well. And how do we do that? How do we improvise so that we stay on script, so that we stay in the middle and in the center of the narrative that God is speaking and writing and leading throughout and across time, right? It's important for us to remember that the book of Acts, it never actually, I mean, yes, there's a finish to that book in the Bible, and we're not going to add to the Bible. That's a bad idea. I I think that that's, that's a that's a well-merited thing, theologically. The Bible is set. I'm okay with that. But I think it's important to know that we are still in the story of Acts. We are still in the story of the church that emerges out of the life and the teaching and the, and the release of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus and his invitation for. We are still in the middle of that story. And just like those first disciples in Acts, we are called to improvise. And we see this happen over and over again, where they're grabbing hold of the way that the scripture has informed their imaginations. They're grabbing hold of the ways that the stories of the scripture reveal to them the heart and the nature of God. And they are able to then bring forward that story and that plot line in their lives. And I want that. I want that, and I believe you want that, and I believe we as a community want to be able to find ourselves in the midst of that story. Not just being driven along by the winds, because guess what? We're surrounded by, as we've talked about, we're surrounded by stories that are coming, and they are blowing us any which way. And those stories are not all fundamentally wrong or all fundamentally evil. They're not necessarily stories that are from the enemy. They but they, they may not have Christ as the central story. They, they may be something we can take from and we can recognize, but if we are steeped in the stories of scripture and the story, the meta-narrative, which is the, sort of the fancy term that says the story that follows the whole arc of time, if we have that, we see that, we can, we can be inspired by these different stories that surround us, but we also do not need to be driven and blown by those winds off course, off chart, right? And so these are things that are deeply important. And so we're going to take some time with it. Um, because the reality is we also inherit stories and we do not have to live inside the stories that we've inherited. And our relationship with scripture can actually invite us into a beautiful, more powerful story that can at least contextualize the difficult things, but not if we don't know it, right? Or not if we've never allowed, not, and of course, many of us have, uh, but if, if, if we have a, what I would call a two-dimensional relationship with the text, 
if we're just looking for lessons and not necessarily seeing the themes that emerge in the stories of the scriptures, it's very difficult for us to, to then step into that, step into that, into those themes. Um, there's a number of places we can go in scripture to talk about, to talk about this, but this will continue to be a Christ-centered teaching series. That's God help us if we ever do not, if we're ever not Christ-centered in our reflections. Jesus is the revelation of, of, of everything that has to do with the Father. Jesus is the revelation of everything that has to do even with the Holy Spirit. He's part of this Trinity, but he's also the revelation of that Trinity. And so just like this, you know, in our relationship with the Bible, the all, one of the underlying premises of this teaching series is that the whole Bible ultimately is about Jesus, is leading us to, preparing us for, or setting the stage for Christ, for Jesus. And so that's part of what this is going to be. And I believe this is a biblical idea, that this is not something that I've invented. Um, it's, you know, in the words of Jesus himself, in John, you know, um, the Pharisees are getting, are, they're misinterpreting. He, Jesus does a miracle and the Pharisees, it's, the, the Pharisees get really upset because it's the Sabbath again. And, and he's not fitting inside of their, it's not that he's not fitting inside of the plot. He's breaking the rules and they're more concerned with the rules than they are with the plot. They're, they're looking at the scriptures as lawyers and not as humans. And so Jesus says, the father who sent me is himself testified concerning me. You haven't heard his voice or seen his form, or nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So this is, Jesus, Jesus is only talking about the Old Testament. The New Testament has not been written when he says these things, as John remembers them. He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the stories of Samson and the, 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 the books. The book of Judges is the most complicated of all the books for me, right? John, um, in, later on in that same sort of interaction, Jesus, uh, John records Jesus as saying, if you believed Moses who wrote the law, right? Then you'd believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Jesus says that the scriptures are a revelation, a stage that sets, that is set for him to step into. And finally, this, this morning, just in, in, by way of the, an, this introductory kind of reflection, um, I, I want to just take a minute with Acts. I love the book of Acts. Again, it's our book. If any book is our book, Acts is our book. It's the story that we still live in. And as many as as much as any book in the in the Bible, it's the one that ends with a dot dot dot. It's a leading, it's a leading story. It's the cliffhanger. We, we have three cliffhangers from our nudge stories this morning. Well, Acts is like that for us. So in Acts 8. Verses 26 to 40, Philip has this encounter with a, with a stranger. He has an encounter with someone who doesn't look like him. He has an encounter with someone who is of a different, of a different race, who has 
spent time probably immersed in a very different story than Philip's own story. So I'm going to start reading here. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. And I'll let, I'll let you parents handle that conversation with your kids. A eunuch, a court official of, of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Philip had a nudge. This is one of the penultimate nudge stories, actually, in the New Testament. Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And that's going to be the guiding question for us. Do we understand what we are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. His humiliation, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for life? His life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about somebody else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began with the scripture. And he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariots to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. It's a powerful story, and it's one we're going to return to over the coming weeks. I love, there's a lot that I love about this. I love that in the eunuch, we have someone who's not afraid to ask questions and to approach story with some humility. And to not assume that he has all of the answers. That's a really important thing. It's so important that somebody who's from a different culture reads the story and I believes, I believe sees something in, in, this, in this narrative that, that he can identify with. A eunuch, that's a complicated, he, he occupied a very complicated, small, tiny segment of that society and was probably pretty marginalized probably was a eunuch. It's not unreasonable that he did not choose to be a, a eunuch. It's not unreasonable to suppose that. That there was a, a degree of injustice, that there was a degree of, of even shame that may have accompanied his station in life. And it's very possible that he saw his own identity being reflected in a passage of scripture that was about Jesus. That's powerful. I don't know that I've always seen that when I've read this passage. In fact, I'm reading a book right now, a wonderful book called Reading While Black. And it's, it's, it's actually a, a hermeneutic, a way of understanding scripture through uh, an African-American lens. And I'm finding it, it, it's just, a, and that's part, of, I hadn't really seen that before. And it's like, wow, that's, that's a wonderful part of the story, a relationship with what's taking place here, right? And I want you to note something. You know, we have a funny word, uh, conversion, right? Conversion. 
converted, somebody converted from something to Christianity. We look at it and we, we talk about it as being a religious conversion. And I don't think that that's unmerited. I think that there's some element of that, you know, what we believe to be true. But what struck me as I was reading this, and we don't, you know, we, we're supposing some things about this Ethiopian character. And I want to be honest about that because I don't know the dude, right? There's not a lot of information about him here. But I think in this response to baptism, you know, maybe he thought he was converting from one religion to another. I don't know. But he was, he was certainly embracing a new story. He's moving, I believe he's moving from one story to a different story, taking on a different story, converting to a different story, leaving one story behind and stepping into a different one. And I really love that when I think about the idea of conversion rather than I'm, you know, I, I wear this, I wear this badge and then I'm going to wear this other badge. I'm going to sign on to a different set of doctrines and beliefs about, about what happens when I die or whatever. I think it's powerful, but we need to know the story in order to be able to, in order to be able to invite people into that story. And so there's, there's a lot, we won't dig into all of it today, but we're going to just to touch on. Um, and finally in setting this up, um, you know, and, and here I'm borrowing, uh, fairly heavily from Matt Krausman, who, who actually spoke to the Vineyard Churches in Canada, um, in 2019 and he talked about the great grand story of of god and he says that the story of god is a story in four parts the stories that are reflected in the scripture is a story in four parts and so this is a quote he says this is a story in which all our lives are taken up into god's grand purposes jesus offered a big story a story of a world formed deformed, reformed, transformed, four parts, four movements of the story. And so part of what we're going to look at is not just the two. We Do you know how many parts we play in the four-part story? How many parts we're familiar with? We're just familiar with, with really two of them, or one and a half. We're super familiar with the story of the world deformed, aren't we? We're born into it. We'll probably die in the middle of that story, right? The world deformed, the world not as it was intended, the world that's hurting, the world that's got brokenness, the world that's familiar with pain, suffering, injustice. We're familiar with that. Sometimes we get to be familiar with a, with, with a world that's, that's reformed, and maybe that's part of our story. Maybe that's part of the gospel working itself out in our lives is that there's a reforming of things, a reforming of God's purposes, of his, of his image. God's image. But the story of the world formed and the story of the world transformed, the beginning and the end, those things that we need to trust for, because we weren't there in the beginning and we are not at the end yet. That's also an important part of how this weaves together for us. So that's going to be part of the series as well. So I hope that whets your appetites. and we will be so again with the kids have that conversation and uh, i would love for us to pick maybe we could look at maybe four four stories and uh and this isn't a prerequisite but if the kids actually wanted to in their own words tell tell the story recount the stories that they are interested in and 
maybe video them with your phone and send those to me. We can watch them together. I just would love to be able to have them be part of this. Um, and uh, so we can talk more about that. And um, but uh, yes, so um, I'm going to pray and uh, and we'll kind of close out this portion, the streamed portion of, of the uh, of the gathering this morning. And so, Lord. Thank you that you are the one who spoke into uh, into the void and created all things. Thank you that you are the God of story, that you are, are actually the author, that you are the author, that you know the beginning from the end, that you're present with us in the midst of this. And God, we ask that stories of your scripture, in, um, and not just in this teaching series, but Lord, that, that you would form our imagining, form our dreaming, form even how we understand the world that we're in right now through your story, Jesus. We want to submit ourselves just like that eunuch said, I don't know. Can you explain this to me? I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would reveal to us in our time, in our day, what you are doing, what you are about. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't leave us just fumbling around. I pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen.